Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee served the Lord for more than seven decades, and these life studies represent his contribution to the ever-expanding understanding of the revelation of the Bible. The purpose of these life studies is to present the truths contained in the Scriptures and to minister the genuine life supply, to solve the common and hard problems found in the Bible and to open up every book of the Bible, through interpretation. We're very happy to bring you selected portions from his speaking today. If you'd like to learn more about the Life Studies, please visit our website at lifestudy.com. Simply lifestudy.com. Now, here's today's program. The Lord Jesus entered into Jerusalem exactly six days prior to his crucifixion. During the first two of these days, he was welcomed by the crowds who honored him and exalted him, really for the first time in his earthly ministry. The next four days were a time of testing and examination by both the religious and the political leaders. These two groups, who were natural enemies, became united in their desire to defeat the slave savior, who had now won the hearts of the people. Various factions of these two groups plotted, using the utmost of their human cunning and reasoning to trap him. But each attempt merely afforded the Lord another opportunity to display his marvelous wisdom, confounding them on the one hand and inciting them on the other hand to do what they needed to so that he could do what he must do, and that is to be offered up and sacrificed at the hands of these very same leaders of worldly religion and politics. Matt Miller is with us. We are in Mark chapter 12. And Matt, it uh, seems like day by day, each of these life studies is just so full of light and uh, meaning that it has made Mark, at least for me, a different book. Well, Chris, if you don't have the light, it is a different book. But the light changes everything. And I think especially in today's program, we need to really have the light. Matt, let's talk about these two groups. Uh, they are now challenging the Lord they're referred to as, of course, the Pharisees, whom we've dealt with before, and the Herodians. One group specifically religious, one group specifically political. And uh, these are natural enemies, aren't they? They are, Chris. In our terms, we would call the Pharisees the more patriotic ones, the more orthodox. They're more uh, faithful to the Jewish people. Yeah. In a sense, the Herodians were those who were going along with Herod, going along with the Roman Empire, going along with the imperialistic intentions of Rome to absorb the Jewish people into the Roman Empire. And the the Jewish people were against that, represented by the Pharisees, the Jews against the Herodians. So they were natural enemies of each other politically. Yet in their attack against the Lord, they were united to come to him with this very subtle question that we're going to see today. It took these two parties together to present the satanic subtlety that we'll see in the question in our first section today. That's good, Matt. And this alliance, as you pointed out, it now gives this question a lot more meaning and a lot more significance, as we'll see. Let's look at these verses in chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and Herodians that they might catch him in his speech. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not fear anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. 
but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Should we give or should we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you tempt me? Bring me a denarius that I may look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose is this image and inscription? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, The things that are Caesar's render to Caesar, and the things that are God's to God. And they marveled greatly at him. All right, Matt, let's uh, join Witness Lee. I think he will bring some light to our understanding of this passage, and uh, then you and I will have a chance to come back and fellowship some more. They sent Pharisees, the most patriotic party, and Herodians, and these two parties could never work together. Pharisees were very patriotic. Herodians were imperialism, you see? How could they work together? They were fighting. But now, <laughs> in uh, dealing with this wonderful person, all the enemies joined together. And they plotted to ask one question, which involves the uh, patriotic thought of the people and also involves the imperialism. What question they ask? Please tell us, teacher. You see, tell us, is it right to pay tribute, that means tax, to Caesar, the top imperialist? You know, if the Lord Jesus say no, then the Herodians will catch him. Uh Uh-huh. You are against Romanism, right? We'll put you into prison. If the Lord would say yes, then Pharisees would say, uh-huh, you are between our country, right? You are working for the Roman imperialism. There was no way out for the Lord Jesus. It's too, too subtle. Devilishly subtle. But the Lord Jesus was not afraid of that. He still kept his dignity. He said to them, bring me one Roman coin and let me have a look at it. <laughs> They right away, they were happy. Yeah. Right away, yeah. <laughs> pick out one piece of Roman coin yeah. from their pocket. Yeah. As long as they did that, they lost the case. Yeah. <laughs> you have the coin in you. Yeah. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have anything Roman in my pocket. I have nothing to do with Romanism, but you have. He didn't say it. He looked at that, he said, tell me, whose image? Whose inscription is this? They say, Caesar's. The Lord says, okay, let Caesar's things be to Caesar, and the things of God be to God. A marvelous unveiling, Matt. Now to realize that in the political situation, as you said, the nation of Israel had been invaded and uh, occupied by the Roman Empire. And now there's this struggle for the hearts of the people. Rome had set up its sort of government through represented by Herod and the Herodians, and the patriotic heart of the people was really represented by the Pharisees. So these two natural enemies come together and conspire, and it seems like they have got a question that there is no way out for the Lord. They'll trap him one way or the other. It's a tricky question. It is. And I think Witness Lee did a good job of portraying it. Either way he answers is a trap. 
He's either going to make the Herodians happy and make the Pharisees mad, or he's going to make the Pharisees happy and make the Herodians mad. So he's in trouble. In verse 15, Chris, of chapter 12, it says, but he, knowing their hypocrisy. Yeah. I like that word there because he knows their hypocrisy. They're hypocrites. These Pharisees are talking about how we should be faithful to the Lord. We shouldn't be for Caesar. We shouldn't be for Rome. And he says, okay, but they're hypocrites. They have the Roman coins right in their pocket when they're tempting him like this. Knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why do you tempt me? Bring me a denarius that I may look at it. So they, <laughs> they happily give him the denarius. They give him the coin and Caesar's picture is on it. So render to Caesar what is Caesar's. He didn't have a Roman coin in his pocket. Right. They're the ones that had the Roman coin. They're the ones that had compromised already. He never compromised. And I really like at the end of his answer, the response there in verse 17, things that are Caesar's render to Caesar and the things that are God's to God. And I like the way the verse ends, Chris. It says, and they marveled greatly at him. They marveled. They thought they had him trapped. He came out. They marveled greatly. That's the Christ we have. The fact that they had conceived of this question uh, with a crafty uh, approach is proven by the response you just mentioned. Because if it had been an innocent question without any motive behind it, uh, they maybe would have said, oh, that's a good answer. But I don't think they would have said they marveled at him. The reason they marveled is because they ended up stepping in the trap, as you've explained, and not him. Uh, and this was just the Lord's way. It seemed like every one of these instances where he is really challenged by either the religious or the political opponents end up getting exposed time after time. Must have been very frustrating for them. I can just imagine if you were a disciple there with the Lord and see how he was in the corner, came out with this, and his attackers are now marveling at him. They're probably looking at each other and nodding their head. Yeah, right. That was great. <laughs> They're just feeling really good about it. And yeah. uh we, we need to go on because this is not the end of the story. No, it's not. So now the Pharisees and the Herodians have had a chance. So uh, in their failure, the Sadducees, another religious group, step forward. And we pick that up in verse 18 of chapter 12. And some Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection, and they question him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if anyone's brother dies and leaves a wife behind and leaves no child... His brother should take the wife and raise up seed to his brother. There were seven brothers, and the first took a wife, and when he died, he left no seed. And the second took her and died, leaving behind no seed, and the third similarly. And the seven left no seed. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, is it not because of this that you err, that you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in the heavens. Another question, Matt, this time from the what we would say probably the modernists, those who doubted the resurrection, uh, didn't believe in the resurrection, and they thought uh, they had a question that the Lord couldn't answer once again. The Lord proves that his divine wisdom surpasses any of uh, man's fallible wisdom. All right, here's Witness Lee as we go back. Not only the Pharisees, Herodians were there, even the Sadducees were there. And they saw the high priests, the scribes, the elders got defeated. And then the Pharisees, together with the Herodians, they all got defeated. Now the Sadducees jump up. 
These are surely they had the case. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in uh, resurrection. They don't believe there were angels and so forth. They thought they had a good case to uh, put this little Nazarene down. Teacher, uh-huh. in the Jewish religion, there is a belief that all dead people will be resurrected. Okay, here we have seven brothers. See, the first one married a wife and died. He left no children. And according to the law of Moses, the second brother had to take his wife. Then he died without children. And the third took the wife, and he died without children. All the seven did the same thing. And the wife also died. Okay, if there will be a day of resurrection, when all these seven men will be resurrected, and this one lady will also be resurrected, then by that time, whose wife will she be? This was wise. But the Lord Jesus said, you were deceived. Number one, you don't know the scripture. Number two, you don't know the power of God. Let me tell you, in the day of resurrection, there will be no marriage. All human beings will be the same as angels. Matt, I like this one answer. contains a dual exposure. First, they don't know the scripture. Second, they don't know the power of God. We'll come to that in our final section today. But exposing their lack of knowledge of scripture, I have to say that uh, this word may be exposing more than just the Sadducees in their lack of knowledge of Scripture. Probably a lot of Christians may be uh, also surprised to hear that. Chris, that's really uh, true, this matter about uh, Christians also not knowing the Scriptures. It's been surprising to me, in my experience, talking to Christians about certain things that are so obvious in the Bible they, because they never read the Bible. So you've got the Pharisees, they read the Bible. Right. The Sadducees were more like a modernist. They're religious, but they really didn't know the Bible. Right. How could you not believe in resurrection and believe in the Bible? The Bible is definitely teaching resurrection. It's a book of resurrection. Yeah. So, And we're going to get into that more in the next section. But I think this is really right to say, how could you? You err. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. This is a major lacking among not only these Sadducees, but many Christians today. Yeah, and all of us need to uh, to have both a, a knowledge of the Scripture, but uh, we need to have a real living knowledge of the power of God. We come to that in the next couple of verses, Matt, that kind of continue this section. Let's, let's go on. In verse 26, he says, But concerning the dead, that they are raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the section concerning the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You err greatly. Marvelous answer again. The divine wisdom again on display. Here's Witness Lee to help us understand it. The Lord said, in the book of Moses, when God was speaking in the bush, you have to realize, by saying these, the Lord Jesus referred to himself. Who was saying there in the bush? You see, the angel of Jehovah. You read Exodus chapter 3. And the angel of Jehovah was just Jesus. So the Lord, in his answering to the Sadducees, referred to himself. I was speaking there. 
I was your very God who was the angel of Jehovah and also the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Sadducees, don't you know? All these three, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, died. If they would not be resurrected, how could God be their God? God could never be the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. Even such a title indicates resurrection. It's marvelous. From such a divine title, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Without the light, no one can see resurrection is involved, is implied in this divine title. The Lord Jesus, he had the light. Saints, especially you young saints, let me say a word. Don't think you know Greek, you know Hebrew, you know every single word of the original language of the Bible, then you can understand the Bible. No. No. The ancient scribes, they knew every single word of the Hebrew in the Old Testament. They studied pages of the Old Testament. They didn't know a beat. They had the language, but they didn't have the light. The Lord Jesus not only had the language, but he had the light. So, on the one hand, I encourage you all to learn the language, Greek and Hebrew, but don't go too far. You may get 20 PhDs in Greek, and in Hebrew, you still are blind. You need the light. Amen. You have to kneel down. You have to open up yourself. Say, Lord Jesus, without you, without your enlightening, I couldn't see any light. That comes by your mercy. Amen. By your mercy. Amen. This is what we need. Matt, we got not just encouragement, of how to pray and what to pray for, but we also had a demonstration of it, didn't we? The difference of coming to the Word with light and not coming with light. There's no amount of biblical knowledge that will help us if we don't have light. That's right, Chris. These Sadducees, they didn't know the Scripture, and they didn't know the power of God. They didn't have light. They were really in the dark. Right. But the Lord, he was in a dignified human way and also in a divine, wise way answering them to not only expose the Sadducees, but also to expose even the Pharisees in this answer, because the Pharisees did know the Bible, right? and they did know the Scripture, but they didn't have the light. They weren't in the light. And that's the point, and as you said, the way Witness Lee ends here, he basically tells us what we need. We need light, and we need to pray this way. We need to know the Scripture. We need to study the Scripture. We should study the Scripture thoroughly, as much as possible, to know the Scripture inside and out. I mean, the Scripture is everything to us. But in the Scripture, you need the light. Right. And this is a perfect example. How many people have read the story in Moses concerning the bush to see the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is showing us resurrection. You need light to see this. And the Lord uses this as an example to show they didn't have light. They didn't even understand. Not only they didn't understand the scriptures, they didn't understand the power of God. God is not the God of the dead. He's not the God of a dead Abraham. Abraham resurrected. 
Isaac resurrected, Jacob resurrected. He's the God of the living. I mean, this is the power of God, and you don't see this without light. May the Lord have mercy on us, Chris, that we would have light. May the Lord have mercy on every listener today. You know, it comes back to this matter of blindness. I think we have to touch that in this program because many of our listeners listening today may not have heard the previous programs where the Lord healed the blindness. And it was related to the matter of the garments. They threw off their garments. You know, the blind beggar Bartimaeus, he threw off his garments and he received his sight. This is to throw down our position, who we think we are, and to humble ourselves. We really need to humble ourselves to receive sight, to receive the light. The disciples did this. Bartimaeus did this. Eventually the people did this. But now in Jerusalem, the scribes, the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests, the chief priests, yeah. the Sadducees, the Herodians, they're all keeping their garments. They're keeping their position, their status. They will not humble themselves, and therefore they don't receive any light. They stay blind through all this. And may the Lord have mercy. May none of our listeners remain blind after seeing this picture and being enlightened by this uh, vision. It's like a a heavenly telecast that's being telecast through this radio program, hopefully right into the inner being of every one of our listeners. Matt, I have to uh, insert here a little word about Witness Lee. Here was a man who spent 70 years of his life, 70 plus years, uh, studying diligently the Bible. Yet he never stood on that. He had no initials after his name, no PhDs, no MAs. Uh, but yet here was a man who not only knew the Bible, he had light. And consequently, we get these sort of <laughs> revelations day by day in these programs, realizing just what you said, this matter of the garments, uh, the three mentions of garment uh, at the end of chapter 10, early in 11, uh, and the significance of that, as you just described. Uh, we just heard in our last program about the six days of preparation before the Lord's crucifixion, representing six days of the preparation of the new creation, just as the first creation, the initial creation, God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh. To see that parallel, that's light. That's light. And uh, we have the privilege of being with one for many years who had this kind of light and has um, left us with a heritage whereby not only we can see, but even he is also equipping and training us that we might have become the vessels that are also vessels of light. really hope, Chris, this is the case, and our prayer even is that there would be light as a result of uh, those who listen to this program today. Really so. Always good to have you, Matt, and uh, I'm just so grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to fellowship and, and uh, to share this with others, and I, I really hope that a lot of our listeners are uh, brought into the light as a result of this uh, marvelous ministry. We hope you'll contact us if you'd like to get the printed material, um, the recovery version, the life study messages. Uh, we can tell you about how to get all of that and, and many other uh, fine resources. Our toll-free number at Living Stream, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. That's all the time we have today. For Matt Miller, I'm Chris Weil. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry 
first to Taiwan, then later to North America, and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. What does it really mean to be born again? Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verse 3. To be born anew is to be born from above, from heaven. That is to be born from God who is in heaven. The kingdom of God is the reign of God. It is a divine realm to be entered into, a realm that requires the divine life. Only the divine life can realize the divine things. Hence, for one to see or to enter into the kingdom of God requires that he be regenerated with the divine life. Scripture, John 3, verse 3, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version, published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.